Welcome to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to The Female Red Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. Today I'm interviewing Meredith Elliott Powell, and she has been voted the top 15 business growth experts to watch. She's an award-winning author, keynote speaker, business strategist. She has a background in corporate sales and leadership, and her career expands over several industries, including banking, healthcare, and finance. I am so excited to talk to Meredith today. So thank you very much, Meredith, for being on the show. Oh, I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. So I know your career has, you know, you've really done a lot in your career and expanded from entry level to C-suite. Can you talk about some of that and, and talk about, you know, sort of your career path for the audience? Oh, absolutely. You know, I am that girl that started at the bottom. You know, when everybody else was coming up through high school and college and knew exactly what they wanted to do and exactly where they wanted to go and exactly what they wanted to be, I was living in the moment. And so, um, but you know, the one thing that uh, my mother taught me, which has served me uh, my whole life, is the fact that networking, really getting out in the community, volunteering your time, getting to know people is that's really um, the most important thing she thought you could do for your personal life, but ironically, it turned out to be what really made uh, made my career. So while I started out at, um, at the bare bones working as an administrative assistant in a chamber of commerce, working as a marketing person in a doctor's office, coming in entry level in a bank, my career just kept growing because of who I connected with inside and outside of any organization I ever worked for. And I wound up uh, C-suite in the uh, financial services world. Well, that's amazing. So how do you, you, you know, you, so you accept a job, for instance, as an administrative assistant at a chamber of commerce. What is, what is inside of you? What is driving you to say, okay, I'm going to do something else? I mean, how, how did that sort of happen? Because, uh, you know, people sometimes who start in those positions um, love them and stay in those positions. And other people go, nope, I want to do something else. How did that sort of come to you? You know, I would love to say that the word drive was inside of me, but that would not be accurate. <laughs> Is that, um, I, again, I was sort of just doing my job. And I, I mean, I really believe that, you know, my goal was to do my job really well and to do more than was expected of me. So I had that much drive. But the power for me really came from serving other people in the sense that getting out, getting connected. And because of that, people would say, would you like to? And before they ever finished the sentence, I said yes. And that is that, you know, at this point in my career, when I look back and when I coach other people on it, I talk about the importance of making strategic sacrifice. And that is that you invest in um, other people's careers and businesses before you ask them to, to invest in yours. And that's really, I did it without knowing what I was doing, but I raised my hand before I even knew what I was volunteering for. And the, and the crazy thing is the return on investment for me was every time one door opened and I stepped through, 10 more doors um, opened. And it opened my eyes to possibility and career um, career opportunities that I didn't even know in my small world were available, let alone available to me as a female. 
Yeah, you know, I love what you said about, you know, if somebody asks, would you like to, and you say, yes, I have got a, a friend in business who does the same thing. And it's pretty amazing because most people say no, or they, they, yes. they want to think about it, or they want to, you know, ponder it for, let me, you know, let me consider that. Uh, but the people who are just ready are, so I would say, you know, maybe, maybe it's not dry for you, but you were ready. You're just ready for whatever is next. Yeah, and the great thing about it was, I think if you would have asked me, had, you know, I wanted to be in some of the traditional roles that were available to me, they didn't really appeal to me. But because I was such a yes person, I found CEOs creating opportunities for me that at that point appealed to me. Because somewhere around, you know, 35 or 40, I started to get a little bit um, choosy, you know, more choosy about what I wanted to do. But I had earned the right and earned the power to say, these are the things that turn me on and these are the things that I wanted to do. But so by the time I hit the upper levels, I'd made so much investment, they were willing to create opportunities that appealed to me. Yeah, you know, I was going to ask you about that because I see a lot of people that will go to networking events and, you know, they'll go to either the local chamber event or even a higher level mm-hmm. event and they're the givers. And, you know, you, you always, you know them because they're saying, oh, I need to introduce you to this person and that person and they're the givers, but not always are they the most successful. So what's the disconnect mm-hmm. there? Because I've seen that happen over and over again, where the people that are, that, you know, they consider themselves to be connectors and they're really giving and doing all of this are not finding it maybe returned. I mean, what, what's the disconnect there? Have you seen that? Oh, boy, you have hit on such an important um uh, piece of information. I mean, I think this is critical. Um, uh, you know, is is it is a balance, um, and that is you have to give. You have to be the giver. You have to be vested in helping other people succeed. But at the end of the day, the only way to get whatever it is that you want in life is to ask for it. And so you invest in other people. You connect other people because that's how you earn trust. That's how people, um, you know, are willing to invest in you. But if you want something, first you've got to be clear about what you want, and then you have to ask for it. And it is a balance between the two. And just to kind of drive your point home, what I see is one or the other. I see people all about, they get that they're supposed to ask for what they want, but they completely miss the giving part. <laughs> or I see people give, 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 give. And then they're like, I don't understand why I don't get what I want. I don't understand why that other person was. And it's like, well, duh, they asked for it. And you, you can't just assume people are going to know to help you. I mean, it's, so it has to be that balance. Yeah, you know, it, it, that's really interesting because um, I hear, and in fact, it's a theme that runs through, um, that has now run through several of these episodes on the female red zone where you have to ask. Mm-hmm. And I think that women, and I would put myself right flat in that position, um, don't always ask. Like, you, you know, there's this thing, well, if somebody knows how good you are, they're going to, they're, they're going to tell you, or they're going to, they're going to create a position <laughs> like happened for you, right? The CEOs were creating positions for you. And we think, well, if we do a really good job, it just should happen. But my phone isn't ringing off the hook for people that don't know me. And I've got to ask to get those connections and I've got to ask to do those things in the next level. And it's the same for all of us, right? You know, when I was working in, um, in the banking industry, um, I tell a story about the fact that um, I was my boss's unnamed second in command. 
he loved me, I loved him, and every time he needed somebody to volunteer in the community, run a meeting he couldn't attend, do anything that he couldn't do himself, he would put me in that position. But I noticed all the guys that I worked with, because I was heavily in a male-dominated industry at a male-dominated level, they were getting the country club memberships, they were being asked to go to the sporting events, invite clients, they were getting raises. And I, would, I, got, I got so livid, and I got passive-aggressive for a while. I'd love to tell you that I didn't, but that's the truth. And then all of a sudden, it hit me, and I thought, you know, I know my boss respects me, so I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to go in there, and I'm going to talk to him about it. And I thanked him for all the responsibility he had given me. But I said I wanted to understand how I get what my peers get. I understand what I – and he looked at me with shock on his face. And he said, Meredith, I am so sorry. I never saw it. He said, anything you ever want, ask for it. And that is one of the most powerful pieces of information and a leadership skill that I've ever been given. Because I, I, you know, I was in a position to ask for it, but until I asked for it, I didn't get it. But I did the same thing, especially every woman does. I was like, if I work hard, they will notice me. And that is not true. <laughs> it's it's not true. And and so then we've got to get over the issue of, uh, you know, if we ask, well, they might say no. Um, but yeah. if we don't ask, we're just, we simply may not be in the running for these things. And it, it goes against the intuitive nature, I think, of women. Like, I, I just... I'm doing a good job. I expect that other people are going to see that intuitively. That just makes sense, but it's just not how it happens in business. And it's not, it's not a gender diversity issue. I don't think it's not like they're, they're not giving you what you want. If we ask for it, we just might get it. And so, you know, talk about is it, is it a gender issue or is it that men are asking and women aren't? And that's the real issue. I think it is really, you know, the, um, the beauty of, men and women working together is I believe we bring different and, and vitally important skills to the table. And what women bring to the table is we are collaborative. We like to see the team succeed. We are intuitive. We will notice that somebody needs to be recognized. Men don't. And the beauty that I have learned from working with men is that they are driven, they are aggressive, and they ask for what they want, quite frankly, whether deserve it or not and I wouldn't trade what I learned from men for for anything so I, I am of the belief that we're different and um, and I think that's the beauty is when you put a leadership team together having men and women working together and what they should do is rub off um, on each other but it is after having spent that first year getting passed over that I turned to my male counterparts, I watched what they were doing, and they were skills that I believe were not inherent to me. And when I adapted, when I, you know, adopted those skills, my career really took off. But I want to, I really want to um, stress though, I didn't give up what was strong about me as a female. I added those skills to my skill set. Right. I think that's really important mm -hmm. that, you know, if we, we add some of those things, um, it's not replacing and uh, it's just no. becoming better, which is, which is really mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So it's, um, but I do think it is, uh, especially when I work with and I coach, um, female executives coming up, um, or high potentials coming up, that's a big skill that I focus on is, you know, the only way to get what you want in life and in career is to actually um, ask for it and that it's okay to do so. 
Yeah. So, you know, there's the, the issue of millennials and I don't know if you work with many millennials, mm-hmm. but you know, they're, they're different, just like men and women are different. Millennials are different right. than baby boomers and all of that. And it seems to me having a couple of millennials as children, um, that they, <laughs> they operate when they care about something and they will give a lot mm-hmm. when they care about something. And if they don't really care about it, if it doesn't really strike them as something super interesting or whatever, you know, they don't do as much. So what have you seen in that particular arena? Do you work with millennials and what have you seen there? You know, I do. Um, I work with millennials quite a bit because I work with high potentials um, in companies. And I just um, I just published a new book called um, Own It, Redefining uh, Responsibility. It's all about creating cultures that engage today's employee, whether they be millennial or not. And here's here's what I think. I think it's twofold. I do believe that you need to have vision, focus, and purpose. People are driven by purpose. They need something to believe in and buy into. That's what drives intrinsic motivation. So if you can clearly define your vision, point everybody at that vision, and as a leader, get them to buy into that vision, you will watch your employees um, engage. But the other side of it is the fact that I think that leaders need to wake up and understand that you know, when they were coming up through the ranks, um, and quite frankly, when I was, we believed that if you went to work for a company, there would be stock options, there would be retirement, there would be a pension, and most, and you know, your company would still be standing 75 years from now. Those things are gone. They're off the table. There isn't, um, you know, nobody can guarantee their company will be there or a job will be there. And with that off the table, you have to replace it with something else. And so I think with millennials, I think quite frankly, we're all driven by the same thing. My generation was just a little bit willing to give up some stuff because we got security in replace of it, you know, in in replaced with that. And I think those things are gone now. And so you've got to understand that what people are looking for is meaning because they don't know how long that job is going to be there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I think that that is, you know, just exactly right. We've given up things for security or, you know, but, but the millennials and and part of the problem, and I heard a speaker talking about this, he said with millennials, you know, he he asked the audience, how many of you have millennials as kids? And, you know, people raise their hands and, um, and he asked, well, what have we been telling them since they were, since they were babies, you can do whatever you want. Uh, you know, love what you do and you will never work a day in your life. And, you know, all of these messages that we've been giving them and now we're complaining about it when we hire them and go, really? They want meaning? I mean, (laughs) you know, so it's, it's this dual edged thing that we have going on where we're telling them you can do whatever you want and you've got to do something that you really care and love because then you will never work a day in our life. Cause we looked at our own, you know, careers and we thought, boy, that that's good advice for them, you know? And then we say, <laughs> but it's not real, but it's not real when you get into the work world, forget all that stuff we said. Exactly. And I think that, you know, the, um, I spoke behind a um, speaker kind of like you who made a really great observation about millennials. He said that, you know, today's, 19 and 20 year old has the um, maturity level of, you know, like my parents, 10 or 11 year old, because like my parents grew up really independent and a lot of life skills 
happen on the kickball field. They happen on the fact that your mother kicks you out the door at 8 o'clock in the morning and you don't come home until dinner time. You learn critical thinking skills. And I that really struck me in the fact that millennials are in organized sports. Their days are structured. They have supervision all the time. So as leaders, I think we need to understand that and say, okay, therefore, we're going to have to up our coaching and our mentoring because that's the world that they grew up in. They didn't get kicked out of the house on a summer morning at 8 o'clock and said, I hope you find food at lunchtime. You know, their, their mothers weren't like that. <laughs> and so I think, you know, like you would never kick your child out the door at 8 o'clock and not know where they are all day. But right. think about how you grew up. And so that really transfers into the working world. And sure, we can complain about it all day long, but it is what it is. And, and learning how to um, capitalize on that, you're going to attract, retain, and really grow millennials into being amazing employees. Yeah, that, it makes so much sense. And it's just perspective a lot of times when we get the perspective mm-hmm. and go, ah, yeah, that's actually, yeah, that's true. I've got to think about it differently. <laughs> but I think this idea of, I mean, I've got kids who played sports and, and one who is, you know, still playing sports um, at a yeah. high level. And it's, they are, they are supervised all the time. And when they're not, we oh, wonder wow. why they're not. And, you know, we, it, it really, it's interesting. So, um, yeah, you, you make a lot of good points. Now, I know that you've written a bunch of books. Talk, talk about your latest mm-hmm. book and in some of the concepts that, that you've written about. Um, my latest book is um, Own It, Redefining Responsibility, Stories of Power, Purpose, and Freedom. Um, and it is, this, is, this book is truly my passion. It's the outgrowth of the last book I wrote, which was Winning in the Trust and Value Economy, all about how to build a business and succeed in what is a very different economy. We've literally gone through an economic shift. And after I wrote that book, I had CEOs and business owners coming to me going, okay, I get it. I know I need to do it differently. But now how do I get my team on board? And so I wrote this book in three phases. And the first phase is the state of employee engagement and why it is in such bad shape. The second piece of the book is written for the leader that that explains how you need to engage employees very differently in this economy, how you create a culture that attracts the best and the brightest. And the last part of the book, which is my favorite part of the book, is written for the employee. And that part is written from the, from the perspective of what are you doing waiting for somebody else to engage you? This is your life, your career. These are the specific steps that you need to do to grab hold of it. And the reason I wrote the book in those two ways is because I believe to create a culture of true employee engagement, some of the responsibility needs to be on leadership and some of the responsibility needs to be on the employee. And when you can get that message apart, um, you know, uh, related to them and have employee engagement driving from both ends, you're going to put yourself in a position to be wildly successful. Well, I, I think that sounds like a book that we all should be reading. Um, but you know, <laughs> the concept and what you just talked about, you know, that it comes from both ends, leadership and employee, um, that it's not one or the other, it's both. And I think that's with everything. Uh, but, you know, I, I talk a lot about gender diversity um, on the female mm-hmm. red zone. And I ask people about gender diversity. It's the same thing because women can't stand there and say, well, it's the men's fault. And the men can't stand there and say, well, it's the women's fault um, that they're paid less and that they're you know not promoted as much and all the it's both sides and I think when you have the conversation either when it's with you know managers and employees 
um, and they're both thinking about how we can make this better. The same thing with males and females in corporate America and, and all over the world. How are we how are we thinking about this from both sides, right? I, I, absolutely. You know, that's so funny because I tell um, when I speak about um, uh, gender diversity from the stage, one of the things I talk about um, with women is, in all honesty, I feel sorry for men. I think they don't know what to do with us. I mean, do you stand up when I come to the room? Do you sit down? Do you call me Ms.? Do you call me Mrs.? Do you kiss me on the cheek? Do you do you shake my hand? I think they're standing there like beer got in the headlights. And I think that as women, we need to take responsibility for, again, things that we want and walk through that. And the reason I call the book, um, you know, um, Ownership, Redefining Responsibility is because I want people to see personal responsibility as a freedom. It is the ticket. I cannot control other people. But when I take action in controlling myself, man, the path is wide open. Yeah, absolutely. And, th- and that's why I... I think it's very lucky that we have men listening to the show because they're, yeah. they're hearing both sides. It's not us standing there going, you guys don't know what you're doing. It's, it's, it's both sides. And, and you know, like you said, we feel a little sorry for men because there's all this political correctness. What are you supposed to do? What are you not supposed to do? I think it's pretty clear what at the far end you're absolutely never supposed to do. But then there's this all this gray area where you go, oh, I don't know. And so sometimes instead of doing something that might be, you know, controversial, you do nothing. And um, I've heard that about mentoring as well. Like, and this is in financial services and also in politics, that men will try, you know, will try to mentor other men as opposed to mentoring women. And there's been some studies, this isn't me just saying this, um, because of the, I'm not sure what people will think, and I'm not sure all of that, exactly what you were talking about. And so, you know, because there's these questions, they just say, well, we're not going to, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to mentor this woman. I'd rather mentor this man. And so, you know, it, it's interesting. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's sad. It's a, um, it's a loss. I remember when I was a, um, when I was a commercial banker and to crack the glass, to crack that ceiling, to get in with the really big clients, I, I brought my golf game back and I knew I would need to be going out to grab a beer with guys and stuff. But when I would ask a man, would you like to play golf? Would you try, you know, would you like to go get a beer or something? You could see them a little bit confused, like, is she, uh, what am I supposed to do? And I think as women, we need to understand that and help really lay the groundwork of how to make that a really comfortable situation and be, and be okay with it. Cause I think it is really, I think it is very, very confusing and be okay with the fact that we're all going to screw up a little bit. Yeah. And that is, it is very true. And we've got to be uh, in both, you know, women need to be flexible with the the men as well and help them along into what they're supposed to do and and vice versa. What do you want the women to be doing? Um, So I I think it's, it's all very interesting um, for sure, because we've just, we've still, we're we're trying to figure all this stuff out. So Meredith, how can people reach you? How can they find out more about your book? Um, How can they connect with you on social media? Why don't you give us some of your connections? Well, I would love um, for people to reach out and connect um, with me. And, of course, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. You can find my book um, and my website at ownitthebook.com. Again, it's ownitthebook.com. 
and uh, also just on my website, which is MeredithElliottPowell.com. Uh, but um, I vlog uh, quite a bit, love to be asked questions, and um, uh, am passionate about the subject. So I really look forward to connecting with people. Well, awesome. And thank you so much for being a part of the Female Red Zone today. I really appreciate your insight. And there was a lot of it. So thank you very much. Well, thank you. This was a lot of fun. And from the Female Red Zone, this is Mary Beth Kuzmeski. Thanks for listening to The Female Red Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.